Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This Extra Number Two. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And yes, indeed, we are a couple in Austin, Texas. We do watch movies and share them with each other to get to know each other better. And occasionally, we break the rules of our own show, because normally one of us chooses something that the other person has to see. This time, we chose something that we just saw for the first time together, and we were so blown away about it that here we are, pulling out the microphone for a second time this week to give you guys an extra show. Mm -hmm. And the movie we saw was... Uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is a film just came out last last Friday. Depends um, on when people are listening to this. It's true, I guess. So June seventh com- is when it came out. It comes out in Austin uh, the thirteenth or the fourteenth of June. I yes, think. Yeah. and we saw a special sneak preview because um, Dave recently had a birthday, and I bought him as part of his birthday a membership to the Austin Film Society. So we have a year long membership where we get to. S- see sneak previews of films uh so we went and saw yes you're very clever i don't know how you figured out that might be a good gift for me i don't know um so they were having a sneak preview uh that we we saw last tuesday and um we wanted to wait to review it till after it had come out so um you know not to come across any you know break any rules as far as reviews go and that sort of thing yeah it's it's an a24 release yes and i don't know how wide a release it's going to be so Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're going to have to hunt around for it but it's truly amazing oh and they it it was premiered at sundance won a director's prize i believe Mm -hmm. and a special jury prize for collaboration or something like that i don't know i thought it might have won the audience award or or something Mm. for best film um so what can you tell us a little bit about the setup? Uh, so the, we meet two, two friends. Um, Jimmy Fails. Yes. And, they, and Monty and Montgomery. Monty, M- Montgomery. And they live in what I think is Hunter's Point area mm-hmm. of San Francisco. Um, just as it's being cleaned up. In order to... We see it. guys in radioactive yeah. suits. Cleaning. Essentially, they're cleaning up Hunter's Point in order for it to be developed mm-hmm. like the rest of everywhere. <laughs> um, they're going to build, I'm sure, like they build here, they're going to build... Mixed use... Uh, ab- apartments with retail below as, yeah. you know, because everyone knows that we can always use more retail below. Gentrification. <laughs> yes. Is one of the major themes of the movie. Yes. So that is the... And then we have... This great introduction of essentially like a street preacher talking about how, you know, they've been asking people to clean up the around the bay for years when it was just black people living in the neighborhood. And now that it's being developed um, and people with more wealth and, you know, white are coming into the neighborhood and suddenly they're cleaning up the neighborhood and mm-hmm. he's calling them out on their BS about that. Um, cause suddenly now, now there's, now there's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> what about the last uh, five decades? Yes. Or whatever? Of, of people living there. Um, and I really think this story is about two houses. So he, um, Jimmy is living with his friend Montgomery and his grandfather mm-hmm. and, and actually, I, I know the style of house they live in. It's an Italianate uh, house <laughs> okay. in Hunter's Point. It's really pretty. It's up on a hill. It's mm-hmm. aqua. It's 
Um, and they live there with uh, Montgomery's blind grandfather. Played by Danny Glover. Or is it his father? I'm not sure. I think it's his grandfather. It's his Based grandfather. on age. I believe they call him granddad. And, you know, they're kind of... Grandpa they're, Allen. They're yeah. kind of weird guys for the neighborhood. Um, Montgomery uh, writes and draws and is a little bit different than, you know... He, he lives at a slower pace. Yeah. He's very thoughtful and um, lost in thought mm. and sketching and observing. And he's really a poet and an artist yeah. and a playwright. And that's how he sees the world. Yeah. He moves through it with his sketchbook. Um, you have all those wonderful scenes of him out on the, on the dock, on the dock yeah. <laughs> or in a boat, um, watercoloring and sketching. Or acting out his scenes from the play that he's writing. that he's, he's writing. Yeah. Um, so that's Montgomery, the best yeah. friend. And then Jimmy Fails is absolutely obsessed with the house, the Victorian um, at Fillmore and Golden Gate yeah. that used to belong to the family. That his Beautiful father lost. It. That his father lost, that his granddad built in the 40s. Yeah. And um, an older white couple lives there now mm-hmm. and has for some time. I don't... We, it was lost a long time ago, right? Because Jimmy never lived in, in the, the house. 90s. I think he did, did live he in the house. He talks about living in the house when he was a child. He talks about hiding in, I think, the tower room. That's right. When his dad's, and it's assumed that their drug related friends came over to, um, you know, anyway, his his dad's dangerous friends came over, and so Jimmy would hide in the tower room while they were there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, we don't ever hear the details of how they lost the house, but you assume that all the money was gone due to drugs. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I don't know if that's... No, there's a, his his mom, who's yeah. not with the dad anymore, mm-hmm. says something like, your dad smoked everything away yeah. all that time ago. Yeah. Um, so, so he visits the house. And he becomes, like, uh, a rogue caretaker. Mm-hmm. of the, So... Jimmy and Monty have this thing where they wait and watch for the the older the couple who owns the house now yeah. to leave to go off on their day, do their groceries or whatever, and they come in when it's safe and 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 Jimmy's up on a ladder, you know, painting the trim yeah. or the window sills or they're you know <laughs> they're uh, doing work in the garden mm-hmm. and he's kind of lovingly sort of Taking doing care of detail house. work and maintenance yeah. on the house and every once in a while they get caught. You yeah. see that like this couple now <laughs> recognizes them and knows they're like harmless in the sense they're not trying to break into the house they're they're not, not, they call, yeah, they're they not, don't call the police they're on not them or vandalizing anything yeah. they are actually like paint you know paint improving the house yeah but they're like can you just get the fuck out of here and yeah. leave our house alone we don't want <laughs> to see you anymore. at him i think yeah they, they come back with groceries and all that fresh produce ends up you know it's not their place to do that yeah it doesn't belong to them anymore and yet jimmy has this dream of one day having a house back and yeah. living in the house. I And it really kind of sustains him in a way. Um, he talks about how his life would be very different if it weren't for this idea of the house that, yeah. that he wouldn't, you know, maybe have found the strength to function, you know, and, and they sort of juxtapose Jimmy and Montgomery with, there's four or five guys who just kind of hang out at the foot of the hill where Montgomery's house is. They're actually listed in the credits yeah. as the Greek chorus. Oh, yeah. Did you notice that? That's interesting, that? yeah. Kofi was 
um, one of the main ones mm. who figures highly in the movie. But and they just kind of hang out on at the bottom of this hill mm-hmm. and you know shoot the shit and you Get know yell at each other. And, and, yeah. Um, and there's actually a really great scene where Montgomery is like copying what they're doing. Yeah. He's like sort of studying them in order to write a play. There's about another time them. when they're getting into a heated argument where Montgomery, the playwright, <laughs> just suddenly go, dashes over there and says he doesn't believe it at all. And they need to put more. Yeah. Like he starts directing the <laughs> argument directing as the if argument. they're actors that almost have the scene but don't yeah. quite have it yet. Some fun <laughs> meta stuff going on with just the way that he sees them as, you know, part of the set dressing yeah. or part of the world, but that he can well and manipulate. You know, one thing that it's his way of diffusing that argument. As part of the introduction to the film, there's this great scene where they they're trying they're waiting for the bus to take them to the this house in. Yeah in, you know, Northwestern San Francisco. Yeah, Western edition. Um, but the bus doesn't come and they're afraid they're not going to make it in time while the p- people are out for him to do anything. So they decide to ride his skateboard, um, Jimmy's skateboard from Hunter's Point, which is like on the other side of the, mm-hmm. the interstate, right? And then, so like essentially across most of San Francisco, all the way up the peninsula to, to nearly the northern point up there. Um, and it's it's just a great scene. It's sort of like an epic scene of them traveling from from one place to another um, via skateboard. It's kind of awesome. It's gorgeous. Is that one of the scenes that has a lot of slow motion? Too? I think so. Yeah. <clears throat> there are some there are some sequences of such beautiful poetry with mm-hmm. music and the images you're seeing and the characters moving through it. And some of them are are these images, they do it with, um, uh, we should have mentioned the director at all, but Joe Talbot Mm -hmm. does it with the people in the neighborhood early on too, where you see these extraordinary stylized slow motion images of the people moving through the streets, the children and the, the people on the corners. Mm -hmm. And and there's, so some of this stuff of them traveling by skateboard is done in that same kind of slow motion way. Yeah, it's it's um, beautiful and it's shot in that golden light. Extraordinary music, yeah, um, by Emil Mosseri. Mm, the music is fantastic, and some of it, some of that m- sequence of them moving and 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 it, it has this very haunting, energetic kind of quality, like some of Michael Nyman's music mm. from the Peter Greenaway movies. I haven't shown you yet, yeah. but some of it reminds me of of that very rhythmic, um, faster. Well, and uh, I want to say minimalist like, music. Something, I mean, like the music feeds into it, but there's a very strange, interesting rhythm to the film. It It's a little bit different than, like, and it's it's funny, if you watch the trailer, which is a masterful trailer, it had me crying. Um, <laughs> um, it's it, it reads like a little more conventional story than it actually is. The the beats and the patterns of the story are very different. I I it's really not, liked it. It doesn't you know? have a conventional pace mm-hmm. or structure. It's not really in the naturalistic world. Yeah, it is it's very kind of sti- a dream it world. Does, it is very stylized. It is very heightened. There's a lot of color, mm-hmm. um, primary color, and um, you have this play with slow motion and the way it's directed. And yet, like you totally believe and fall for these characters mm-hmm. and not only their rich inner world, but their yearning for 
a home. For a home, yeah. And so place is like, is so important. What it represents, whether, you know, your memory of something perfect that you can never have again. Yeah. Something that you lost or something that was taken from you. Ah, see, I have lots of feelings about losing my (laughs) homes in San Francisco, too. It's interesting because I, you know, again, I'm I'm doing a a sort of study of architecture to see if that's an area that I want to move into. But one of the books I've been reading is called The Architecture of Happiness. And I've not read very much of it, but what I've read so far is discussing, like, how a beautiful building or a beautiful place that you live, a beautiful home, like that it can affect your, your mood and your happiness and how satisfied you feel in Mm -hmm. your life. But like the, the flip side of that is that, you know, if, if it is your home and if it's the place that you live, you get a certain amount of satisfaction from and happiness from the home that you live in. But it's still the place that you live. So you are going to spend a, a great deal of your time actually being, you know, miserable or unhappy in that mm-hmm. same place. Even so it's, it's interesting like that the power of architecture is limited, but the, in this case, we're talking about home as a concept more than, more than, a, well, it's a place, but it's yeah. also, it's the concept of that family history and, 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 you know, that symbol of belonging, you know, that, that, you know, Jimmy is kind of missing at this point. He's sort of living on the floor at his friend's well, house. Well, look at the title of the movie, The yeah. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're getting pushed out. He yeah. feels not just pushed out of his home, but like there's not there's coming to be no place for us yeah. anymore in this city. Mm-hmm. That used to be sort of a place for all all sorts of people, you know to come together and, and, and grow and learn from each other. And, and that's all being pushed away because of, you know, I mean, it's, it's happening here too. You it's know? interesting though, because even if it wasn't that beautiful Victorian house, I mean, you would still have a certain feeling of loss and yearning mm-hmm. about your home that, you know, you remembered fondly. I mean, there's nostalgia and there, and it still represents something you can't have, back but the fact that it is yeah this beautiful absolutely gorgeous victorian home. queen anne victorian yeah um we haven't mentioned this at all and I, it's not a spoiler to say so because you see it in the trailer but due to circumstances that older white couple um ends up i think it's a death in their family death in the family and a, a conflict there's, over the estate there's a battle over the estate yeah and they move out yeah so jimmy and monty come one day to do their their stuff well, it and was the place is empty yeah and they end up living in there they yeah. go they go in there and they they set up shop and they become part of the neighborhood again well it's interesting there's a scene just before they decide to move in where you know after they've seen that the couple is moving out yeah. they go and talk to a realtor um about you know you know whether the house would be available, you know, he asked them, you know, questions and they're like, we're looking for this specific house. And he was like, Oh, is it for sale? I didn't know it was for sale, but they end up having a conversation where the realtor establishes himself as a native San Franciscan. Yeah. And they have a conversation about how they both went to high school in San Francisco Mm -hmm. and they used to play each other in sports or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, so. McAteer and St. Ignatius. (laughs) Exactly. You the realtor went to St. Ignatius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jimmy went to McAteer. Uh-huh. So I knew, I think that, that that's a, Oh, a good way of establishing that, you know, it's, it's not just about the, the house, but it's about the whole environments and, and, and that the city is to be his home, you know, yeah. rather than just, you know, just the house, but, but also that, that he was able to, to feel like he belonged in, in that area, in that, in that place that maybe he doesn't feel that way anymore. You know, I don't know. There is a good section of the movie that's about the joy of them reclaiming oh, that yeah. space <laughs> because they do covertly move in, yeah. move back in when, when it's vacant. And um, although not entirely covertly, because I like Jimmy's strategy is I'm just going to go down there. There's a, one of the neighbors across the street is staring at us yeah. going into the house and he just goes over and I'm Jimmy. I'm your new neighbor. Yeah. Hey, it's good to meet you. Guess what the fuck is that all about? But yeah. Well, and then I love the scene where he goes out to visit his aunt um, who has the um, old furniture that used to be in the house that she pulled out, I guess, before the house was sold. Yeah. Um, so he's able to bring back all the original furniture that they had in the house when he was a kid. Um, and that's pretty awesome, but he has like a really good conversation with his aunt about, about things. And, um, I think she's, she's actually billed as like fourth bill on the, Mm -hmm. so she's, she's really excellent. So, and she has the, what the skateboarding husband or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but she, I guess they live way out, way out on I didn't catch I, where they were. But they had to come back through the hills to get yeah. there. So, because um, he, he uh, her husband helps drive the new, the, the furniture back into the, into the city. Um, but like she talks about why they decided to move out, that it just, they couldn't afford to be there anymore and have any kind of, you know, life that, that she wanted, you know, which is why that they're, you know, way out. I think they look, they look, like they're somewhere rural or something like that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, so they take the furniture back and they move it into the house and then they have, you know, all the great scenes of them living there, um, screaming out in the middle of the night, dancing, you know, singing, really making the place their own. I think they decide that they have a space to put yeah. on one of Monty's plays. Yeah. Too. Well, and I guess there's a scene where um, Jimmy gives Monty his choice of rooms in the house. Yeah. And he chooses this beautifully decorated parlor with yeah. the painted ceilings. Just the front and, room, the front yeah. parlor. I, I th- actually, I think it might be the dining room that yeah, he chooses. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, you know, I guess he's, I mean, he has his room back in his, ho- in his house with his grandfather, but it's very small. It's and very it's sort of got his stuff everywhere. And Jimmy was literally crashing on the floor mm-hmm. by his bed in that tiny little, in and, the tiny bedroom. And here he has this big space to create in and, you know, it's... There's an organ in the house. Yeah. <laughs> they pound it and the dust comes shaking out yeah. and everything like that. That's an incredible thing to have in one's house. I wonder how often that would be played. But I think there's a scene later where her his dad is visiting, Jimmy's dad is visiting, yeah. and he remembers playing the organ Um that his father hated when he played the organ in the house. Stop messing with it. (laughs) Um, We didn't 
really talk about this at all. And I don't know how much you got a chance to read about it. I know very little, but um, this is somewhat autobiographical in a sense that mm. the um, the Jimmy Fails is a, is actually that's his name. Yeah, and I don't know what how much of this is based in something that actually happened, but um, he co-wrote the story with Joe Talbot, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently they've been talking about making this movie since they were like teenagers or wow. something like that. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, how old are they now? They're probably, he's in early, their 20s early 20s. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. You've, it has that poetry and depth of something that you've been thinking about, you know, a passion that you've been trying to yeah. express for some time. It's interesting to, you know, one might think that nostalgia of that level would need to come from someone with much, much older, with much more experience in life. I don't know, but, but I, you know, I, they are not, they don't seem like regular 20 some 20 year olds. It's true. They are, have older souls, both of them. (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of not on the same wavelength as anybody else yeah but i mean like i guess if you're if you're watching this happen as quickly as i mean as quickly as it's happening here in austin it happened as fast or faster in san francisco this sort of loss of community of neighborhood of you know we're people who had lived there and families who had lived in San Francisco for generations mm-hmm. all of a sudden are replaced by people who, who don't have any history with the, the area. Um, Sometimes after the trauma of being evicted and having their stuff all yeah. thrown out on the street and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Well, and you know, it's, I know it's, it's, it's not just Austin and it's not just San Francisco. It's happening all over the country, you know, based on the social conditions, you know, where essentially during the suburbanization of America, you know, essentially all the white people moved out to the suburbs and the inner cities were left to decay. And then, you know, all of a sudden people are interested in being close and being able to walk to places and they're more interested in living a city sort of life. So they move back into those areas that they, you know, abandoned Mm -hmm. and then we're left with, you know, essentially the people are priced out of the place that they've lived, you know, maybe, you know, maybe their grandparents, you know, or, or, or before that lived in that neighborhood and all of a sudden they can't afford to stay there anymore. You know, um, there was a story on KUT, which is our local public radio station about the last, on Rainy Street, which is an old neighborhood. Oh, that was a great story. Yeah. An old neighborhood. Um, he was the last original yeah, resident of Rainy Street, Of right? Rainy Street, yeah. And there's, it's he still there. Move. Yeah. I think his house was eventually condemned. Then they were trying to get him moved out. But all around there, they've built bars. They've built like fancy boutique hotels. You know, no one lives there anymore. It's like where people, where realtors go to drink, essentially, is, <laughs> is the joke we make. Um but, you know, after we saw the movie, there was actually an interview with... Um, it was a great program that Austin Film Society put on yeah. where they invent, invited um, the guy from the Austin Tenants. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
a representative for yeah. Austin tenants, renters in, in Austin, and also um, one of their programmers for Austin Film Society who had lived in East Austin since the yeah. 70s. Um, and he talked about how he had lost, you know, neighbors that he, you know, knew his whole life. So starting in the 90s, but really accelerating in this in century. In the last 10 years, yeah. Um, that more and more of the families that had lived there can't afford to stay anymore, so they're moving to... Um, way out. Yeah, they're moving to like Buda or Burnet or, you know, out way out, um, which is a ways. And, and that there's there's a genuine loss of community in the city. But for those people who have to move, they're losing more than just... They're losing their neighbors. They're losing their lifelong friends in order to, you know, afford to live. And that's, that's a major part of now, your identity. What was the story about um, one... The oh, it, I think it was the guy who actually worked for Austin's Tenants yeah. Council was talking about how he bought a house and mm. the previous it was lost. Um, the house was lost. Um, oh yeah, it was. It was under. Um, it was not being. I guess it was being re- foreclosure foreclosed right? on. Yeah. So that's how the previous tenants who'd lived there for twenty or thirty years yeah. lost the place, and they contacted him to get the to see if they could get the sink. Yeah. Because they had bathed their babies and their children mm. in that sink, and it just it had that kind of a yeah powerful image that he, yeah memory that's so you know an heirloom of a certain kind of not yeah place is important yeah man. it's <laughs> well it's, and the other thing he talked about is there's a scene in the movie you know after they've moved the furniture in and naturally because you know, real estate disputes get settled eventually. So they've been in the house a couple weeks and I guess the real estate issues got settled. The estate issues got settled. So the, uh, the realtor, the same realtor they talked to was hired to sell the house, um, for the estate. Um, so he, you know, in a scene we don't see takes everything out of the house and puts it on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the the representative fr- that we that we saw talk he talks about like that scene of where Jimmy comes back and sees all his things That's on the street thing. sort of exposed yeah. like all these things that are supposed to be they have a place in a home um, they're your things and then to see them like exposed on the street where anybody could take them or damage them and the rain could fall on it yeah. and how vulnerable that that makes someone feel to to see all those things that that mean something to them and how there's suddenly a perception by passers-by that it's they that, can just take that it. anybody can take anything yeah. it's out on the it's in a public right-of-way mm-hmm. it's really sad yeah I mean we talked a lot about this the the bubble that these mm. guys, you know, Monty and Jimmy live in for a brief time in, you know, where they're in that house again. And without giving too much away, I mean, the bubble is going to burst at a certain mm-hmm. point and reality is going to come back that, you know, you can't necessarily have the past back in that way. Well, and, you know, at, at certain point, there's a choice that Jimmy has to make. And we, I won't yeah. say what that choice, what the choice he makes is, but he has a conversation with his aunt, you know, about you know and she says you could spend your whole life you know working just to stay in this house you know you know i forget the crazy amount of money they said it was like eight million dollars or something like that that they were trying to sell this house for and you know she's she says the reality you could spend 
your whole life just scrimping and saving and and barely living, you know, working all the time just so that you can have this. So this house isn't taken away from take, you. Just take, so you can, you know. But you know what? What kind of life would that be yeah. if if that's all that's all it was, you know? Um, and that it's it's San Francisco's loss if he decides to leave, mm-hmm. not not the other way around, like he can still have a life and and all the th- all the wonderful things that they are there are in the world yeah. you know from her perspective um, his soul isn't attached yeah. to that one place yeah he moves on and it's it's interesting cuz i you know i grew up in a in a ranch house in yeah, yeah. in west texas um i mean it, in a sense, it's it's the reason why I, I love mid-century for, you know, houses because there are elements. But I was not attached to that house, mm-hmm. you know. It it was never, I mean, it was where I grew up. I remember it. Uh, you know, I, I painted my room. I, you know, but there was, I don't know. I, I never, and I think it had to do with the town. Like, I'm much more attached to Austin as a place yeah. than I was and like, I don't know, my dad would always joke with me about how I wanted to move somewhere with trees because um, <laughs> there aren't any trees in West Texas. Um, but it's interesting what what makes a place, what, what makes you attached to a place. So I, ha- I don't have that necessarily for any one of the specific homes I lived in in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, and I lived in all kinds yeah. of places. For many years, we lived in Park Merced. Um, and, you know, residential yeah. housing built post-war to, you know, all cookie-cutter, na- planned neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, I was always embarrassed to live there growing up. Now it's just fascinating to me. And I think it's, it's really kind of, interesting. It's kind of cool. Look up, um, look up Park Merced on Wikipedia. There's a whole article about it. Uh, and I've, I've, you know, came back after college and lived in, you know, rented, uh, Victorian flat in the lower Hay. you know, I've lived in the Castro for a while and I lived in 24th street area, Noe Valley. Um, but it's not the, those houses, it's not those places that I lived, but I do feel still this like deep connection to the city, to my city, you know, Mm -hmm. and I still feel that when we get off the plane and we arrive in San Francisco and we're, you know, walking along the waterfront or just turning a corner somewhere in the Haight or the Castro or North beach or really any neighborhood, any, any place walking along the ocean out by, um, ocean beach and, and, and stuff like that. You know, my grandmother used to have a, a house on the, the hill on, on the cliff yeah. overlooking this god my god you know this yeah. already came up last episode yeah. we were talking about <laughs> we've done two san francisco I know. Uh, it's, movies it's in a row so we'll choose a different city from yeah now we should start another podcast That's about right. movies about no um lubbock so All i, I about do lubbock. have that like deep yearning to be back in san francisco yeah because yeah. <laughs> i left my heart there obviously yeah well and i'm gonna wear flowers and it's my hair. so interesting because as someone who I grew up in a very flat place in in some some sense is a very ugly place, yeah. um, although it does have beautiful skies and I do sometimes miss the the storms running. You See, know, I don't think it's coming. ugly. It's a new place to yeah. me. But like San Francisco to me, when I when I went there the first time, it's like everything is just 
beautiful. It's like there is no, and like to some extent, it's like, you know, a bunch of wealthy San Francisco ladies got together and decided to build a, you know, yeah, and so you have a monument in the park. Absurdly beautiful, yeah. like theme park of yeah. a city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, like I don't, you know, I I I don't blame the people who choose who can't afford to live there to choose to live there because it is such a magical, wonderful place. But I can't help but mourn what will be lost when all that is there, just like New York, when all that is there is wealth and privilege and whiteness and we lose all the wonderful diversity and the interesting things that the clashes of culture and 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 the power of of that combining of things it isn't about the victorians in the end it's about those neighborhoods (laughs) yeah it's about the people i mean that's what that city is yeah well there's that great scene it's actually in the caster i think where he's waiting on the bus Uh and there's a a man uh, who's oh, naked sitting yeah, next to him. Yeah, he's actually at Castro and Market. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and what rolls by is one of these like bachelor party kind of like, like pedal trolleys. Pedal trolley beer kind of Yeah, and things. you know, there's a bunch of tech guys on there that yeah. are like wasted and screaming and, yeah. you know, um, and the guy who's naked on the bus says, oh, what a city. <laughs> yeah, the people in this city, man. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. Naked guy. Says yeah. That. So, I mean, I can't blame people for wanting to live there. If I could afford to live there, you know, one day, then. I had to leave in the around 97. So late 90s, we moved for my ex's grad schooling in New York, mm. NYU. And, uh, you know, I always kind of thought that was temporary and I would go back. And I don't know. At what point I realized, well, I can't ever go back because I'm priced out. I can't afford to live there. I will never be able to afford to live there again. And so, you know, I didn't even visit San Francisco. My my family moved out years ago and I didn't visit for five, ten years. And now we've only just started going back every once in a while. And I don't have family there anymore. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how any city can live without the lifeblood that without people who work in restaurants without teachers, you know, like we, well, we're sort of teachers, we're librarians, but, you know, without these sort of like supportive working class jobs with these people who have to live, you know, an hour and a half from where they work, you know, there's eight people in a house. Yeah. There's, I don't know how these cities are going to survive you know, I mean, like, I think we'll just, they'll be, they'll be all robot automats running things, you know, we'll have, we'll have to order from iPads all the you time. You would love a robot automat. <sighs> if we're actually talking yeah. about the food automat from the, from mid I do love automats, but I mean, like you lose the sort of, there aren't going to be people to, to prepare food. And, and this is already in San Francisco, like, cause I, I follow the food scenes cause I, I have to be interested in everything. Apparently. Um, <laughs> I follow the food scene in San Francisco, just like I follow the food scene here in Austin. Let's oh, learn about Ashley's passions yeah, and pursuits. This episode. Architecture and food, um, movies. Um, <laughs> but you know, in San Francisco, like it's too expensive to risk small businesses, running restaurants. So, 
you know, while there are some big companies that are able to come in and start restaurants, all of those small restaurants that have been around for years, these bakeries in the mission that have been there for generations, they're closing. Um, these small, you know, Chinese restaurants that have been around forever, they're closing or, you know, there's a fire and they're not able to come back from the fire. And so there's all of these. And then these new, you know, innovative people who would love to open a small place and, you know, try their luck. They aren't able to do that because there's it's such a big investment to move in a city like that. And, you know, it's happening here in Austin, too, where, you know, now for a while, all the innovation was happening in food trucks. And then the big dream is to yeah. move from a food truck to brick and mortar. Yeah. And now, you know, it's starting. There's nowhere for food trucks to be anymore. Mm-hmm. So that isn't even an option for people anymore. And it's just. It's really disheartening to see this happen and and then not know what it takes to stop it from happening. You know, Austin's doing some things where we're doing some mandated affordability units in new developments, but it's such a small amount, you know, and the qualifications, I mean, you know, these... you know, tiny, tiny measures yeah. <laughs> that don't do nearly enough. Yeah. to I mean, and, and, you know, we see it all over our city. There are not enough people to work in our restaurants. So, you know, there's help wanted signs all over town because nobody can afford to drive, you know, 45 minutes into town. From the place you can actually afford yeah, to live. To, for $3 an hour plus tips. You know, nobody bucks. can afford that, yeah. you know. So um, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to stop it, but... Um, it's it's hard to watch and and i i felt this 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 story so hard <laughs> you know i felt what it was about i mm-hmm. felt for the characters and what they were going through and it was just so beautiful and so resonant i mean even down to individual images that i still can close my eyes and see right mm-hmm. now i mean i can see jim there's a mate i still cannot believe they did it but Jimmy coming down on the skateboard on California Street, straight down Knob Hill. Holy crap. So I was it's looking, amazing. I was looking at that because there's a similar shot um, in the movie that we, Woman on the Run, yeah. where she's also walking down California. Mm-hmm. But the the image in that one, like you can see that the Bay Bridge is much farther away. So I'm, I'm using my brain to figure yeah. out that this must, they must have shot it with a telephoto lens from like a rooftop or something. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the Bay Bridge looks huge in the background yeah. of that shot where They're he's skateboarding. Um, that wouldn't have been available in the fifties, yeah. you know. So I think you're right. I think they're stationed on a building with a huge telephoto lens to get because the ba- it's I just mean the amazing. Bay Bridge it's, and it's, it's beautiful, incredibly dangerous and crazy. Yeah. I cannot believe you know if that's really you, Jimmy Fails. Yeah, what are you, please stay alive and stop doing stuff like that, so you guys can make us another movie. Yeah. and Joe Talbot, you know these guys. I hope that they have the future that this movie promises because. Yeah. Um, it just completely blew me away. I didn't hear anything about it until we started to see the trailers. Um, it did so well at Sundance. They have a gift. They have, I don't know, it's what Todd McCarthy called it visual poetry. And mm-hmm. it absolutely is visual poetry. Yeah. And it's not slow. It's not boring. It's not dull, but it's deeply felt it's moving. Yeah. And it's about, um, real issues that affect all of our communities. Yeah. And, well, it was interesting. Somebody, I can't, I guess after the interview, somebody said that it yeah. wasn't a political movie, but I don't agree that it, I mean, like it's not outwardly political, 
but to me, like just it's well, just the statement of like we're here. Pay attention to us. Uh-huh. And if that's you tell political. the story of one you, person, yeah, where you are so deeply empathetic and mm. perceptive, and allow them to speak their truth, it, that's a very political act, mm-hmm. you know. And it stands in for all of the rest. Yeah, for everybody's story to and, tell one person's story so well and so thoroughly. Yeah. Do you have any other? Um, I don't know. I want to ask you, do you have any other images or moments or sequences of the movie that you think of that we haven't happened to touch upon yet? There's the scene where they've gone to the market or a flat or maybe a farmer's market and they come back yeah. holding the like Gerber daisies, bright yellow daisies oh, yeah. that they're going to plant in the garden. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's interesting because like they it shows them getting off the bus and i don't i think there's like bus smog or something like that yeah. and it's clearing as they're walking along yeah. and that may be the moment where they see that the stuff has been thrown out on the oh, curb okay. and they're holding the back flowers back to reality yeah or no maybe it's the moment they come back and the woman that used to live there is sitting there staring at the house on the steps and yeah. so they have to talk to her and then they turn around and go back because they can't let on that they've yeah, been they've squatting been living in there. there yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "How long is she going to stay there?" So they end up going back to Montgomery's house, and that's when they come back, yeah. and the stuff is on the curb, yeah. you know, after she's been there. So, um, but those bright yellow daisies, um, it's a beautiful image, you know, with the fog, the smog, bus smog clearing. It's... In short, mm-hmm. we really think you should go see this movie. Yes. Um, last black man in San Francisco, seek it out. Look up the trailer because mm-hmm. I think that the trailer is one of the best trailers I've seen in a it's long beautiful. time. Not just, it really communicates the feeling of, of the movie. It mm-hmm. also, they also throw in a lot of the best images, mm-hmm. um, and moments. So, um, it, it's, it's really special. Yeah. It has that great uh, rendition of, if you're going oh, to yeah, San Francisco. I was going to mention that. Um, it's, uh. I mean, it's arranged, I think, by the composer Emil Mosseri, who did the music that is just beautiful throughout. But it's sung by uh, Michael Marshall. I looked him up. Yeah. And it's a beautiful version of uh, It San starts Francisco, with these beautiful, like... Wear flowers in your hair. I think they're strings or an accordion or something. Yeah. This sort of, like, undulating sound. It's kind and of... And in the film, it's presented as Michael Marshall's a street mm-hmm. um, busker singing yeah. that song in, during a particular moment. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I had to look it up. Uh, actually, if you want to hear it, <laughs> if you happen to be listening to our show on Spotify, pop on over and do a search for San Francisco, Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair by Michael Marshall, because that tune is on Spotify, as is the whole soundtrack. Um, we were actually listening to it just before we started recording. I was trying yeah. to get bring back the sense of like what this movie felt like, because it's been a week now. Yeah. Um, exactly. Listen to that song. See the movie. Yeah. Do you have any other things to say? We uh, went, I loved it. We yeah. went and did a full-on episode yeah and it was supposed to just be an extra yeah <laughs> but we can do that because it's our show we can break any rule we want to it's true but if you did like this show you know about a new film um please come back and check out one of our other episodes if you're just finding this for the first time because you saw we're reviewing last black man in san francisco come back you know usually ashley or myself will choose a film that um, one of us has never seen before we're choosing something that means something to us that we want to share with the other person and then it opens it up to a conversation 
where we get to know each other a little bit better and we get to really talk about something that we love. So um, I hope you join us on that journey and uh, we will be back with a regular episode in about two weeks time. Mm. I'm not even sure when we're posting this, but we'll figure that out after we hit stop. (laughs) So thanks again for listening. Look us up on Instagram, on Facebook. If you want to catch, you know, upcoming, you know, announcements when we drop episodes, Um, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And we're on Apple podcasts. We're on um, Podbean and Spotify and all Google, all Google play, all manner of ways to listen to us. Tell your friends and leave us a review or a rating on iTunes and that'll help other people follow us. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.